Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Philadelphia is, I think, one of the greatest cities. It has so many great treasures, historical treasures, cultural treasures. We lived on 12th and Rodman when we first got married and walked the cobblestones and dreamed about being able to see Thomas Jefferson or Ben Franklin walking those same streets. I love cheesesteaks and tasty cakes. I love the people of Philadelphia. You know, I go to the playground and there's people there in burkas. It's just, the world is here. It has everything that a big city has to offer, but it has this uh, air about it as being a small city. It's really a city of neighborhoods, one of the few cities where, you know, you can live and you can walk to work at the same time. I love that if I'm leaving my house, my neighbor across the street, he says good morning to me and when I come home at the end of the day, other neighbors are out and will greet me by name. That's, that's what I love about Philadelphia. One of the things that burdens me the most as I look around at people in the city is the fact that it is so easy to get caught up in the pleasures of this world and because of that not be able to enjoy God. Uh, there's a perception uh, within medicine of um, the spiritual realm is something you keep private or separate from the biomedical realm. Just living as if God doesn't exist, living as if He's not our Creator, their basic goal is to make life better for themselves. It's, it's self-preservation, self-improvement. Our whole culture, the whole advertising culture, is built around teaching you that you can find fulfillment in a soda or a pair of shoes. The restraints are gone. People are looking for something to fulfill them because they're empty. Might be a professional person that is totally involved in themselves only. A lot of lonely people. One person will be listening to an iPod, another person will be doing instant messaging. It's sad to see the gap between not only the haves and the have-nots, but white-black, location, opportunity. Safety. People have no idea what safety is like. You have to sleep in your shoes, watch over your belongings. I see a lot of teenagers who don't have a lot of productive things to do, don't have anyone guiding them or watching out for them. 
I think if we are honest, we have to admit that the gospel is having a relatively limited impact on the communities of people that live and work and study in Center City. If you look at the business community, if you look at the arts community, if you look at the medical community, if you look just at the residential population of, of Center City, you'll certainly find active Christians who are living out their faith on a day-in, day-out basis. But I do not think you will find a, such a strong, numerous Christian presence that it is having a culture-shaping influence. Although I think you can say that the church is in Center City, I'm not sure that you can say that the church is transforming Center City in the way that we pray that the Lord will enable us to transform. Vision is so important on many fronts. We've all learned from the Bible that without a vision, people perish. Congregations perish and, and faith perishes because we're not looking forward to what is God going to do in a situation. It's easy to get so caught up in whatever we're doing that we forget the big picture of what God is doing. So many times we have God in a little box. And once you really think about a vision, well, what could God accomplish? Well, he could accomplish anything. It's really uh, an attempt to move as one with God. I think God wants us to look to the future because he's the God of the future. He's the God of hope. I mean, I've done things. He's taken me to places where I would have never gone. 10th Presbyterian Church is a fellowship of kingdom-minded disciples who have a calling together as a community of disciples in Christ to reach out to Center City with the gospel and beyond that to evangelize the city of Philadelphia. And as we have the calling and opportunity to multiply gospel ministry to the world. And that's a calling that answers the need of our own city with its need for forgiveness and reconciliation and also answers the needs of the world with the great traumas of warfare, of orphans, of disease, and of dark continents where so many people are living and dying without Christ. And we have a calling to share the gospel of Christ starting in our own neighborhood, but extending out to the very farthest reaches of the world. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about being a disciple is being a follower, just truly letting Jesus lead. When it's 9 o'clock in the evening and I hear a knock at my door and my two-year-old neighbor's voice yelling, Bethany, um, then, you know, whatever I thought I had on the agenda for that evening probably is not quite as important. I think discipleship is um, a surrender. I think discipleship is uh, it's hard work. I remember one time Mrs. Lemmer, uh, who used to call all the people that visit 10th that reside in Parish 1, and uh, she would call them and say, welcome, thank you for coming to 10th, and uh, is there anything we could do for you, and please come back. This is a wonderful ministry that Mrs. Lemmer would do. Well, one time Mrs. Lemmer was in the hospital for her own physical needs, and I went to the hospital to visit her. And there she was, sitting up in her bed with a stack of cards of those phone numbers, and she was ministering to the people. The idea of following Jesus Christ, music, food, children, 
dancing, laughter, crying, everything is, is with him as, as the king. He's the king. My wife and I, when, we, when our children were small, we uh, volunteered for a nursery, and then actually my wife taught the three-year-olds. I was the helper. I didn't think I could do anything, but you know, as I uh, began to, um, you know, teach them their, you know, their very short uh, memory verses, and uh, help them with their apple juice, and I mean, I, I found that you know these were little things that were important. The disciples that were with Jesus, they were just with him and just wanting to learn from him and wanting to follow him. A disciple of Jesus is one who who loves Jesus, who, who see, seeks to imitate, uh, see Jesus as an example and imitate him. Uh, it has to be one that serves, uh, not looking out for oneself or what's in it for me. I think the word that comes to mind right now is reliance. I rely too much on, on other things, either giftings that he's given me, blessings that he's given me, um, things of this world, other people. I am learning to put him above anything else and really desiring him more. You really don't learn the life of costly discipleship simply by reading your Bible or spending time in prayer, although certainly the Holy Spirit uses those things to shape our understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. But a, a disciple is, uh, is an active, living human being following Christ. Discipleship is really a verb if you think about uh, the biblical sense of discipleship. And therefore, it can really only be demonstrated in an actual context of serving others. What does Jesus Christ as King have to say about every aspect of my life? my workplace, um, my neighborhood, how I relate to the homeless person I pass on the street. Have the cause of, of God's kingdom as one's priority. I pray for preoccupation, for spiritual things, things that are eternal rather than temporal. It means for me that I have to be clear on what God's purpose is what his purpose is not only for me, but what his purpose is for the church, what his purpose is for everyone here in life. We who have the life of Christ in us are already living in the kingdom, even though the kingdom is invisible to this world right now. Christ is Lord of all. He's the Lord of every inch of the turf of the whole universe. It's all His. It belongs to Him. For an individual, it means that we at least tithe our resources, our time, our talent, and our financial resources for the furthering of causes and interests that are, that are not immediately ours, but are deeply the concerns of God. So that my work at Penn is not just work, but that is God's place for me in this time and in this place. And in that area are people that he has prepared to be his people. God started something back there with creation and he's going to finish it. This grand story of, uh, of bringing glory to himself, of having uh, the will of God, the love of God extended to every corner really of creation. He's also building his kingdom in our hearts and 
He allows us to be part of His work so that we can be humbled, so that we can be undone, so that we can honor Christ as our King and, and come to see that Jesus is everything. And I think we have to remember that the kingdom is, is large. It's beyond just this place. It's in Liberia, it's in Turkey, and we need to live in a way that, that uses our resources to help in those places too, not just spend them here. If we're kingdom-minded, we're thinking, Christ's kingdom has come. Where is it? What's happening? And how can I be investing in it and building it here? A kingdom-minded disciple is someone whose vision for what God is doing in the world is as expansive as God's vision for the kingdom itself. Rather than simply thinking about my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how much I'm maybe growing in grace, as important as that is, my vision extends well beyond that to the real spiritual needs of the people in my community, to the situation of the church in the world at large, and also to the, the vast numbers of people in the world who are living and dying without Christ. Now, a vision for the kingdom of God understands that Jesus Christ has come into the world and has done that saving work of dying for sin and rising again and is now establishing the rule of God which ultimately will be as expansive as the universe itself. I've been in a small group for 20 years. I mean, it's grown to the point where there is nothing private. You know, we love each other enough and we trust each other enough and we care for each other enough that the, you can share anything you want. I think what makes our small group so special is that the women are transparent, that nobody is putting on airs that they have it all figured out. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a needy person. I am, and God has shown me that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to see the neediness of my brothers and sisters because they are really opportunities for God to show his grace. We're, we're gifts to one another and, and, and I've come to realize that in a way that I hadn't before so that people that I'm not drawn to have come to be significant people in my life. We were invited to be on another committee, another committee, but they promised it was only going to be three meetings so I said okay. But what it pointed out to me again was there were people in that committee, a couple whose name I'd heard, and some I just hadn't known. And once we were out of that committee, I saw them every Sunday. Now prior to that, those same people who've been very involved in the church, they were invisible to me. When I had my first son and stopped working, I connected with a small group of other moms. And to be able to get the wisdom and the mentorship of Christian women who have older children or are going through the same things as me has been instrumental in my spiritual growth, my spiritual health, and just feeling connected. It's so easy to kind of get sidetracked or, or say, well, you know, it's not really important for me to worship on Sundays. I'm going to Campus Crusade, which is well and good, but that's not a church and we need places where we can go to grow and to be uh, challenged and rebuked and um, the whole nine yards. I think the things that I have seen in the last few years that have been most amazing have been when a whole lot of people have 
worked together, oftentimes maybe they didn't even realize that they were working together and how God brought wonderful fruit from that. We started 17 years ago and uh, we meet in the homes. We spend half the time going through a block of scripture and half the time praying. Well, we had one member, uh, Patricia, who, who had no family and so we were her family, which we, we kind of are for each other because I think everyone in the group, our family is far away from us. So we were Patricia's family and then she developed cancer. And so we took on, um, with the church's help, trying to care for her, which meant you know, emptying the porta potty and taking her to the doctor and the groceries. And she was a invaluable gift to us because she she knitted us together as we tried to serve her, and she also was always pressing us for uh, showing us what intimacy means and calling on us to provide that for each other. She would get after us. Why don't you call each other? Why don't you send notes? And um, it was a, she's wonderful that way. I think what I've learned is that um, God really wants us to be in community. That at the, at the heart of the universe is not a despotic God, but there's this. Uh, God in relationship, that the Trinity is these three persons in relationship loving one another and he's calling us to be part of that relationship with him and to extend it and invite others in to reach out to people that are different from ourselves and we wouldn't otherwise be drawn to and, and that's part of the beauty of of the church is the diversity of its its members and and when we do that when we kind of try to love one another in our halting ways but in a way that's um, inconvenient and sacrificial we show that the the gospel is real so with with uh, Patricia we would go see her at the hospital or whatever and her nurses aides would say who who are those people that are always here and she would say it's my Bible study group and they would say what church do you go to? I want to be in a church like that. It's a, with, so without even meaning to do it, by, by loving one another, we're able to, to show the truth of the gospel. Well, we need uh, healthy discipleship at 10th Presbyterian Church just for our own spiritual vitality. But the more that I think about the strategic vision of 10th Church in the coming generation, the clearer it becomes to me that unless we are living a life of sacrificial discipleship uh, in community, we really will not be able to be effective in the kinds of gospel outreach that I think this church has the potential to carry out in Center City, in Philadelphia generally, and in various places around the world. Uh, we will not be well prepared to share the gospel with our neighbors. We will not be prepared to make the costly sacrifices that it really takes to support kingdom work unless we are vital and growing in our personal discipleship and in our corporate discipleship. I like living in Center City with the diversity, the convenience, the beautiful parks. One of the benefits of living close to 10th is that I can be available to the people in the church that might need somebody to help out in different ways. One of my best friends on my block is an 18-year-old girl, two-year-old daughter. She hasn't finished high school. So I feel like at this point my ministry is 
being there when they come knock on the door, building that relationship and trying to find out um, what her life is like, what her world is like. Like I had a Jewish student who was undergoing divorce and I was able to read scriptures with him from Isaiah. And he asked a copy of that uh, passage from Isaiah 43 and brought it to him with him to court. So he was reading it to himself as he was going through the hearing. All of us that go down there are there to plant the seed, that's all. We're instruments that God uses. He was one of the you know, wildest kids out there. This tutor constantly ministering to him week in and week out um, really did something. I mean, the kids love us, um, the parents trust us. There was a guy that was coming to the study, uh, he was from China. He wasn't a believer and was asking questions every week about, you know, the Bible and God and, you know, salvation and just all of these things. And we witnessed him accept Christ um, right before the semester ended. And I have never seen that face to face. And it was, it was just an overwhelming experience of just seeing how God is faithful and he, he does call his people. One of my stand partners uh, is from Turkey. Uh, brilliant cellist and he really does not know the gospel so uh, I look for opportunities to you know to give him a, a line here and there um. and in 1978 the Lord brought Sherry to the faith and uh, we lived on Smedley Street which is only a block east of, uh, of 10th and she came home one night to said that I found the church for us and I said really I said where is it she said that big one up on the corner I said, really, how did you find that? She said, well, I had a sign that they had a Bible study. So I knocked on the door, side door, and the gentleman answered and opened the door and said, uh, can I help you? And she said, I'm Jewish. I've accepted Christ as my Messiah. I know I have to learn. And I see the sign that you have a study. Can I come in? And he said, certainly, I'm Jewish also. And the assistant pastor at 10th at that time was Stuart Sachs. There's, of course, very evident needs of homeless people. There's different men that are in the Rittenhouse Square area that I've come to know and try to treat with dignity and also to refer them to our church. Most of the folks that come to our doors are folks who are recovering from catastrophic uh, events in life based on their own abilities to handle things. But we hold out folks um, the love of Jesus and by giving them real food and, and nurture, they know that, you know, we, we are here, we're steady, this is some place they can count on. When I first came to art school, my mom was afraid that she was losing her little baby. She said she cried the whole way home from here to Baltimore, you know, that this was it, you know, I was going to end up, you know, like something that she didn't want me to end up like. Early on in college, uh, I saw a sign for a Bible study on campus. And I wasn't a believer at that time at all. And I saw the Bible study. I thought it might be a nice place to meet decent people and I'll go there and, you know, it'll be a good time. So I went to Bible study and I met uh, then Addie Wood and Sheffield Wood and they invited me to 10th. So I said, sure, why not? I don't have anything better to do on Sunday. I'm a college student. I would just sleep in anyway. So I began to hear about uh, sin and my own sin and began to be convicted of my sin. And I also began to hear about the Savior and the fact that forgiveness was available in Jesus. 
And um, over that first semester, I really, I, you know, there wasn't one point in time, but over that first semester, I came to faith in Christ. One thing led into another. I began to come to TCU, the college ministry here at 10th. And I'd say within a few months even, people began asking me questions about the Bible. And I thought, why are you asking me questions about the Bible? Uh, but because they were asking, I decided that I needed to go find the answers. And so I was reading the Bible a lot and trying to find the answers that, that people were looking for and trying to answer my own questions. And that has led to where I am today at, at Westminster Seminary and teaching Bible at City Center Academy. All the arts and music schools in the region are right here in this community. So, and those are major shapers of our culture. The 10th uh, recital series has been wonderful, just getting people to come into the church from the community. And I've met uh, several people that have uh, uh, come to concerts and otherwise wouldn't have really set foot in the church and it had not been for that. 300,000 people come to Center City every working day to work. All, all kinds of major institutions are here, so it's, it's really the influence center of the city. You know, as I talk to people in our congregation, I think most of the people who worship at 10th Presbyterian Church have some sense of commitment to the city of Philadelphia and have a heart for urban needs. It, for whatever reason, whether it's a personal calling or financial circumstances or job situation, I mean, not everybody in our church is able to live in the city or let alone live in center city Philadelphia. But uh, we really ask all of our members to understand and embrace that as a church, we have a commitment to the city of Philadelphia. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why people are drawn to the ministry of the church, because they know that the needs are greater in so many ways in the city, that the strategic significance of the city as a spiritual influence for the region uh, is important. And recognizing that, they want to be involved in a congregation that has a commitment to the city. Philly's a unique city in many regards. It's a historic city, so it has a long history. And most of the major church movements, particularly in the Protestant world, had their birth in Philadelphia. It's a city of neighborhoods. And uh, there are over 220 neighborhood names for places in Philadelphia. If you know Philadelphians, Philadelphians if you ask them where they're from, they'll say, I'm from Kensington, or I'm from Germantown. And then people say to them, well, where is that in proximity to Philly? And they'll say, it is Philly. Philadelphia is also a city of homeowners, thanks to the row home. Row homes are affordable housing. It's a homeowner city, and it's a, which makes it much more stable. Philadelphia changes more predictably and more slowly than other cities. It's important to understand that 10th Presbyterian Church is a regional church and has been so for many decades. It's not a local church, although in order to be a healthy church, we need a strong local sense of community right in our immediate neighborhood with many people who worship at 10th also living right in that community. You know, there are some obvious disadvantages with being a regional church. Uh, it's harder to establish community and fellowship. You don't have quite the same feel of a local neighborhood church, which is a wonderful thing. I've been part of some churches like that. But what you do have with a regional church is a strategic opportunity 
to exercise a vision of ministry for the city as a whole. Because you have people living in neighborhoods around the city who are caring about their own communities and who see the opportunities that they have, either for citywide ministry through some of our strategic partners or for church planning. You know, one of uh, Tenth's uh, historic callings going back to the 19th century has been to establish new congregations in various neighborhoods around the city. That's urgently needed in Philadelphia today. We have gifted disciples of Jesus Christ who have a commitment to their own communities who we are willing to send out to do that kind of work to establish thriving new churches that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and serving their neighborhoods through ministries of mercy. In many little and big ways, we become an extension of ten because we carry with ourselves a lot of the values. We want the message of the gospel to be clearly proclaimed. We want uh, you know, traditionally in the Chinese church, you hear a lot of um, uh, moralistic sermons, and we don't want that. We want to hear Jesus. You know, we want people to know that if they don't hear Jesus, they have not heard anything. I believe what we need to do is to create communities of discipleship, which are called the church, where people who don't know Christ will come to know Him and love Him and orient their lives around his teaching and through his power by his grace live out those things in their work in their home and in their family at the same time we need church planting for the next generation for our children and grandchildren you know, I, I think it's always helpful to remember that 10th itself is a church plant. People had a strategic vision for a neighborhood in 